0: episode of Unpublished. My name is Amy.
1: I'm James. was that? I was just queuing everyone. I, oh, I'm nice. gonna queue everyone for the whole podcast. That sounds fun. It's actually, people probably, do people not know that it's a video as well? Maybe people are like, what do you mean James? But I'm pointing at Amy, assuming that those of you who watching the video will see me point at Amy.
0: There is a video on Spotify and yeah. sometimes on YouTube. If-
1: Eventually we'll download them to YouTube. Eventually. Probably. We'll see.
0: Today we're going to talk about the relaunch of my latest book and we're going to kind of dive into talking about why we can reshare, relaunch, like back our works of art even if they're years and years old, like why we have this culture of if it's not new then it's not important and really like sit in this reality that your art isn't going to expire and you can you know market it and be excited about it and share it perennially.
1: Yeah I think this this concept of a launch, having a launch is a hangover from the traditional creative industries and even you know business as well because yeah if you think about it if you work for a pop company or a gallery you don't have the resources to keep giving marketing campaigns to one just one of your writers or one of your artists for example yeah or one of your musicians it's like sorry no i'm not gonna even if it's taylor swift it's like we've got to get on to the next thing We because because the reality is that your first first launch will probably be the biggest mm-hmm. um, uh, especially once you reach a certain size of audience whereas if you, what am I saying? So if you, you know, first social be the biggest. So it's like, if you're a big company, then you don't want to keep. Yeah. It's a waste of market, money for Putting them. marketing behind yeah. someone. But we're not big companies. So we're no. independent creators.
0: Yeah. So we can do it as many times as we want. First of all, I just, sorry. I, before we dive into this, I just want to say that we are having tea, like a la Africa Brook podcast. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Do you want to, do you remember the, this type of tea? Mm, I
1: think it's a salmon orange pico combination. Beautiful. Yeah.
0: We didn't steep it for long enough.
1: No, but I, well, the reason I like Assam and Orange Pico versus regular English breakfast tea is often, it has a bit of a smoother taste mm, to it's me. It's smooth. Does that, do you feel that? Yeah, yeah. Mm, Super it's really, smooth. really nice.
0: We found this really cute tea shop a very grumpy man in it. We didn't debrief that he grumpy wasn't man. Grumpy.
1: He was just very British.
0: He was very English.
1: And I'm I'm finding it hard to read grumpy versus British. And I'm just assuming British.
0: No, I actually think you're right. Like they're not... He's like the butcher.
1: Yeah, like they're perfectly lovely, perfectly nice. They're just just a different way of being.
0: It <laughs> was so sweet. We had so many different types of teas. Um, we bought ourselves a bunch and we bought ourselves this beautiful new kettle. Not kettle, new teapot. And it's just a nice little ritual yeah beautiful okay back to diving in so i did my book a big disservice in december i launched it um and i launched it poorly if i'm going to be very honest with myself i was doing several other things at the same time and i have a lot of narratives about my fiction and how it compares to other wings of my creativity and other wings of our business and i just didn't give it the time of day
1: so so what do you mean by that like what did you yeah. what do you think like you could have done more
0: so uh, first of all and this is something that we're very slowly learning both of us in business is that we always have very very short run-up times and honestly it's one of it's i'm still really struggling to have a long run-up time to anything like the idea of I
1: was my jacket right now whenever we go up here i'm so hot because it's up in the top it's in the the attic anyway sorry to interrupt you
0: cool off james
1: just was the zipper sound i thought people would be like what's going on over there
0: people aren't listening as hard as you think people are listening you don't know that for fuck's sake
1: so i was asking you sorry everyone fuck, who listens to this podcast and why <laughs> i honestly judge you if you listen to a podcast because it's so bad <laughs> what was i saying I'm, I'm, i was talking about um I was asking you what you could have done better like why you thought it was a bad launch
0: yeah so I for for one thing like I didn't even send out an email about it. Like
1: that really annoyed me I at know. the time. I kept bugging you about it.
0: I didn't make a huge amount of content about it. I didn't have a marketing plan. I had no plan. I just kind of I winged it. And you know, sometimes we have to wing it. Like that's not an, a completely illegitimate or and it's never going to be an, an immoral way to launch something, but I should have and I wanted to have a much more structured plan around launching that book and to give it the time and the the energy that she deserved. Um, My fiction is one of the most important wings of what I do as a creative and what we do as a business. And we intend for it to make us a lot of money and we intend for it to do very well. And I intend to be known as a fiction author, as well as being someone who writes and speaks about creativity, as well as being a speaker, as well as having this other wing of our business. Like fiction is why I can speak about that. And it is important. And I really needed to come home to that because I was ignoring it. You know, it's not doing as well as my other sides of the business. So I'm not going to give it the time of day. Um, i didn't post about it that much and then i let it fade out really really quickly so it's Um, like of
1: course it's not going to do as well as the other sides of the business because
0: exactly like it's self-manifesting it's just it's a a prophecy that i have a belief about and then it becomes true because Mm. it's exactly how i act
1: and it's obviously a a wound there that's a huge wound which comes from trying to make your way in the traditional publishing world yeah and it's interesting because even though your first book was really well received yeah you had a lot of great reviews A lot of people said they really, really loved it. You still didn't. I felt you still didn't take that confidence into the next one.
0: Yeah. I still have so many issues that come inherited from, from the gatekeeping uh, institutions that most authors navigate. Like I still have to hold myself so delicately as I navigate my journey with fiction, because I do feel burnt and I'm, and I still have a lot of tender narratives around it. And they come up obviously a lot when I'm trying to promote my novels Another really big one is that I have this narrative that um, I can't promote my fiction on Inspired to Write Instagram page because it's not exactly what I'm there for. People are going to be confused. People are, aren't, aren't going to like it. The algorithm doesn't know what to do with content about my fiction, so it, it gets very, very uh, like bad, like data. And so, like when you look at, you do the vulnerable thing. I share my fiction on Inspired to Write, and it gets a tenth of what normal content would get. And the little inner child within me who's already hurt, instead of being rational and being like, well, the algorithm doesn't know how to push this stuff. And I haven't taught my audience that this is something to expect from me. Instead of looking at it in a very business-like way, I've gone, this is because it just it adds to the rejection wound of being rejected by so many publishers. And I you know it just makes me want to be smaller and smaller and smaller. And as a fiction author, I've just made myself become smaller and smaller and smaller until I really had to call myself out on it. And you've had to call me out on it. And we've had to really... And it's been exciting. We've had to relook at this and say we're taking this really seriously. But so why aren't we act? Why aren't we taking it? Why aren't we treating it
1: seriously? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's such a shame because they are such important. Like they're almost uh, what you do every morning. Like they yeah. actually you spend as much time on your fiction as you do on any other aspect of the business. Yeah. And it deserves to be a stronger aspect of the business. It's just we learn we've learned so many skills of marketing the other sides of the business. Like we've put so much more time into the marketing side, which is frustrating because it's so. I think a lot of people would feel like this you spend so much time making a piece of art and you feel like you've put x hours into it and so it's like it should just sell itself Mm. and i often feel like oh it should sell itself but it won't Mm. whereas other sides of the business almost feel like they sell themselves because you spend so much of your output like when you create a post on instagram you're that's also marketing? marketing yeah and it's also developing ideas for your course it's all working in synergy whereas i feel like the marketing side of fiction isn't at the moment, the way we have it, have it set up isn't It doesn't, yeah, it
0: doesn't produce, like, it's not creating marketing content as I make.
1: Yeah, as in at the moment, it's not. It no, could It, it could, yeah, could. you could definitely I mean, make it. And you could do set that. that up so that you do that regularly. Yeah, that's a really interesting
0: sure. kind of lens to look at it.
1: Yeah, definitely. It, you could just get that machine going. Like, at the yeah. moment, your other sides of the business, your coaching side, your non-fiction side, your course side, that's just like a machine.
0: Yeah, it just creates content all the time. Yeah. And it's, it's so, so natural and
1: easy. Whereas, yeah. it's, so it's almost nothing to then, promote it yeah because it's just the same thing you want everyone's
0: primed there's Everyone, a lot yeah. of creatives in the funnel who are willing and excited to listen to what i have to say and sell
1: Whereas fiction is that every time you feel like you want to promote it, it's a big pivot for us it's like pivot, yeah. pivot 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 and that takes so much more energy even though it's the same number of hours that we have to put in it's just mental energy yeah. that you have to oh let, let's think of a new way of making content Let's think of a new all the reels we've been doing all the shootings shoots we've been doing for so new. new content so much more energy than
0: yeah
1: a regular bit of content that you can bang out in 20 30 minutes yeah. in an afternoon yeah
0: yeah and i want to start off by saying i've been really enjoying it it's been such a creative process Mm. getting to think about like how we can sell this book and we've been able to make so many different forms of art in order to sell regrettably Mm. i'm about to cause trouble which has been really fun but also i understand exactly what you're saying and i think so many creatives feel incredibly angry and bitter about the fact that marketing feels like an art form in itself and it's like i already create the art like why do i have to go and make so much more stuff to sell it and there's a lot of anger there and i feel a lot of anger from creatives
1: and i think that's the attraction people often think about having a gatekeeper is that they're going to do the marketing side for you yeah which is a lie
0: yeah huge lie
1: because they don't they you don't, hear so yeah. many story, horror stories from the industry of you know someone buying a book or uh someone getting a music contract or something and and thinking, great, I've made it because they're going to just champion me now. But then you just one of hundreds of people in their mm. stable and they're like, oh, we can give you a couple hundred bucks to your marketing budget or, Literally, yeah. or you're going to have to go and buy your own PR.
0: Yeah. Oh, we've been speaking recently, like we're privileged enough to be speaking to, you know, working actors, working side musicians, you know, actors with agents, actors yeah. who are in big movies, act, you know, like publishers yeah. who, who have mm. big major publishers and they are, what? Oh, the anger that they feel. And it's so right well, for let, them to feel this way. Well, will
1: anonymize this story because it's a close friend of ours who um, is in a big movie coming out soon, which may, might ruin things a little bit. But you, no, you, there's no the way they We have it. a lot of
0: friends. We're this, very popular. This friend of
1: ours who got a job, a leading role in a huge movie, and she has to pay for her own PR. yeah, just to pay for her own tour. Like she has to, She's going on tour for the film, which is, I assume, mandated by
0: yeah it would be enough and she has to
1: pay she's like i'm gonna be out 40 grand yeah she's like, i'm not gonna make any money from this movie
0: it's absolutely insane and similarly like we have a friend who is in you know the music industry and the way they've been mistreated is just like and the way that they've been abandoned essentially by a very big label like and again and then we see it with books like we, we cannot think that gatekeepers are gonna ease the pain of the independent artists like marketing saga like it no, it isn't going to fix it, it just
1: i think it unless you are like really lucky from a gatekeeper you're not going to get that much bit like you're not gonna yeah. they're not going to give you any better service it looks it's a bit less risky because you don't have to put as much money in up front yes that's that's, true. A, that's a really good thing about a gatekeeper yeah but in terms of you know guaranteed promotional guaranteed marketing guarantees sales at these supposed launches that you do mm. it's like you know if you launch with a if you do a launch with a gatekeeper that you, or you say it's a book once again book bias they might give you like you might get two book signings at local bookstores that's yeah. your whole launch budget that they've given you or yeah. something it's like
0: i've yeah again i've watched so many published authors who absolutely peddle the shit out of their books
1: well and look at our friend seth who we had on the podcast you know a year and a half ago yeah and he did it I mean he had a lovely publisher but they were really small they didn't have the resources and he didn't blame them of course because they didn't have any more resources but he was like I did everything myself yeah. and as and he through his own marketing essentially it was a it was like he was self-published yeah
0: self-published Yeah. In
1: that, and that's what got him to and his... that's
0: where that's the way we're moving towards the, and like you know this will blend beautifully into a podcast about something I've been thinking about a lot now which is the constant robbing of the creative's power from mm. these institutions like we are living in a world where these in, like you know sought after incredible big named institutions hollywood you know the big five publishing companies sony universal like they are robbing creators of all their power and giving them absolutely nothing in return they're
1: just leeches who want you to come in and like essentially they have the vc model they're like we're gonna get 10 people in and we're gonna hope that one or two of them make us the big bucks and we're gonna put in the minimal effort to try and just like unearth those two people
0: Anyway, kind of getting off track. The point is, is that whether you are independently doing this or whether you are within a, an institution that is um, supposedly supporting you, there's a lot of anger because mm. of the marketing of yeah. it. And I'm, our marketing makes artists so angry. And I want to simultaneously acknowledge that it can be, I think it's almost, it makes people angry because it's almost like, not expected or, so, or like something they never thought about when they were like i want to make art they never thought that this would have to be a like part like, of their life. are you kidding me
1: i was so vulnerable i yeah. did the hard thing i did a just really hard thing and you want me to do another thing that's like yeah. a different vulnerable and a different hard yeah. that i've already put all this energy into this first hard
0: it's something we really need to think about as creatives that there will be this stage of our creative journey if we intend to connect and create with other people with mm. you know in collaboration with an audience and this is going to be a part of the journey yeah. and it can be really, really fun
1: yeah.
0: and really creative.
1: And I think that's why to bring it back to the relaunch, yeah. this has such, been such a good thing for us. And I think we're feeling, this is the most positive I've ever felt about one of your launches for, for fiction. fiction. Yeah. Same. And I think it's because it's taken the pressure off and it's like, everyone puts so much pressure on that first week of sales or oh the first month of sales. And it just doesn't have to, because that's what the industry has taught us to do. Yeah. or the creative industries have taught us to do. And, you know, we're not going on, we're not, we don't care about quarterly sales numbers. We care about lifetime sales numbers mm. when you're an independent creative. You know? Yeah. You don't care about, you know, is that, ed- is my editor going to get a bonus this year? Or is my editor going to hit their numbers this year? It's mm. like I care about my, my own longevity and my own future. I care about my own staying power in the industry, not someone else's. Yeah. And I'm not here to service someone else's career. I'm here to service my own career. Yeah. And my, it's my like, own novels. My and own books. What's gonna serve that? It's like, well, let's not give up on projects immediately.
0: Something that I've noticed like a huge amount as someone who's works with a lot of creatives is the pressure on launch week and the devastation that happens after launch week. I've worked with so many creatives who have a bad launch and the way they just give up.
1: Well, with with um, books, you basically if you're with a publisher, it's your pre orders determine your success so you're dead in the water before your launch week even which is bullshit
0: it's just bullshit like
1: who fucking cares
0: i fucking hate that system like what the fuck like we're treating art important art so rashly
1: and it's because of the it's because of the system like it's the the people are trying their best but it's like gatekeepers simply cannot keep pushing you after your launch week
0: I don't understand why. Do you understand why?
1: Yeah, because, because they don't have the resources, and they want to keep the hype the hype cycle going. They don't have the resources to keep doing it. Otherwise, they'd just be constantly spending. But like, what are they, they of spending of money on? I don't really understand that either.
0: I'm sorry what what do you mean? Like, if we look at, I'm trying to think of like an artist. Where I don't want to like dob anyone's names in, but like, again, we we're saying it like they're doing all the marketing, they're doing all the work. Like, what the fuck do you mean? I guess because they're not print on demand.
1: Maybe, but also, I mean, it doesn't actually make that much logical sense because. It's so, so complicated, but I was reading one of my absolute favorite authors of all time, Joe, Joe Abercrombie. He does a blog every few months about how he's doing with his writing. And he was saying in his recent one that he's having a break from writing. Or he's, well, he's you know he's not launching anything this year, but he's okay because his first books are selling better than ever. <laughs> That's really cool. So it's
0: like... That's a really cool example. I can't believe you even told me that. That's so cool for him. Yeah. That's a really great example of what Brown? we're talking it was one about. Of the, it
1: was either Pierce Brown or Joe Abercrombie, but they were like, I'm not worried because my first books are still freaking selling really well
0: that is how you want your life to play out yeah and you want like different books to have their different times in the sun the sun and have them like pop up again and again Mm. so I was about a fully book focused podcast you know you can just replace yeah because that's
1: what we're immersed in obviously
0: um yeah well
1: it's like you know you'll see and, uh, a musician who will launch an album and then two years later, it'll go, it'll explode on TikTok or something. And it's yes. Like, imagine if they just completely gave up on their career because their launch week was bad. And then two years later, it's like, oh, whoopsies, turns out we actually have a really amazing...
0: Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like we've had bad launches and they really do hurt and there of is course. definitely space to grieve and like you are allowed to have thin skin, but it's the giving up on it that really, it actually makes me really angry.
1: But how much of that pain from the bad launch just comes from a bad cultural narrative? Yeah, it and does. You immediately feel like a failure for no fucking reason, just because of some illogical bullshit, like 1960s industry standard. Yeah. That doesn't apply anymore.
0: I'm trying to think, I don't know why I have this inkling that we have something that launched badly that did better and better and better as time went yeah, so on. So
1: we were so obsessed with the launch week of our first online course. Yeah. And so like, we think we launched it a month before it came out and we were like, oh fuck, you know, most of our stuff sells best in the first day. Yeah. And then what we hadn't just hadn't realized is that, of course, a online live online course is going to sell much better in the days leading up to it as people feel urgent about it. Yeah. But we were like, fuck, like we sold only a couple of tickets in the first week. And we were like, this is horrible. Like we're going yeah. to show up to two people. You know, we were used to people a lot of people buying our courses when they first launched and our books and stuff and being like, wow, these numbers just aren't matching up. I yeah. guess people don't want a live course from us and almost giving up on it. And then selling most of our tickets in the last week. Yeah. I'm like, oh, selling okay. out. Imagine if we just canceled that. Like, I yeah. think we talked about canceling it. Well, like, this is such a bad response that maybe we should just cancel this. Yeah. And then it, it sold out. And we were yeah. like, Oh, we just, we didn't realize what it could, what it was going to be.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. It also reminds me a little bit of, um, uh, some of my social media posts recently, where it's like very old, not very old, but like maybe five weeks old content goes viral. Mm. And then I just sit back and I don't create any content. And this one piece of work just like does it's, bizarre little viral dance yeah. and gathers like-minded creatives into this community
1: it's pretty cool it's
0: very cool it feels really good actually
1: yeah yeah
0: i like to do a podcast soon about just clocking this on being very afraid of going viral and being afraid of being cancelled and being afraid mm. of being too seen on the internet yeah
1: well because certainly as we've talked about before the more eyes you get on your work the more trolls you get yeah but especially when things are going viral because it gets pushed beyond your oh my followers. god yeah and
0: you just get some really weird people
1: mm. yeah i wonder if so much of i wonder if some of not wanting to push past your launch week and not wanting to keep launching and, and advertising things comes from feeling like people will call you stupid or people will think you're stupid for doing that
0: i feel like it's li- i mean it's this is very subjective but i feel like it's the most vulnerable part of being a creator Mm. and you've just given your all in that first launch week and then you're like i have to keep going yeah which is why i think we have to make sustainable practices of promoting our art so it's not like we're like carving ourselves up because we'll burn out otherwise
1: yeah i think doing it like doing giving yourself space to launch things multiple times to have multiple ramp up periods. is like, well, I'm not going to exhaust all my energy in one. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm going to let myself have lulls. and I'm going to let the sales drop to zero for a few weeks yeah. and, and then I'm going to ramp it back up again. Yeah. And then, you know, a really cool thing about having a project out there is that after the first week, you might only get a few people reading it or listening to it, but those people are going to have something to say about it. Yeah, so try, trying to get what their opinion about it is trying to build and then trying to, you know, show other people who might be interested in your, work that haven't bought it yet that other people listened to it or watched it or read it and liked it
0: yeah it's cool
1: yeah like you the difference between when you look because i know that a lot of people work really really hard to get pre-launch reviews for their books so they send out advanced reader copies and stuff we haven't yeah. done that before no but if you're and it makes sense in a launch week focused cycle but for us it's like we kind of had a launch with regrettably so we kind of had a pre-launch
0: yeah we've kind of got all like the soft launch yeah. almost
1: and you have now like over 100 reviews of it yeah. on the internet yeah which you're going to show people
0: yeah and which i will be showing people yeah do so we want to talk about my new instagram and kind of the permission i gave myself there yeah sure so i've started a new instagram in kind of response to my deep disinclination to post on Inspire to write and I'll give you a little bit of like what was happening for me. As I said, like I just had so many narratives about uh, not wanting to or not being able to post about my fictional inspired to write. Lots of fear based stuff. It isn't a healthy narrative. I really need to work through it. I have a lot of resistance around creating multiple social media platforms for different parts of my art because I didn't like the idea of like fragmenting myself so for a very long time I've just tried to work through and like jackhammer my way through this narrative that I should just post about my fiction on my fucking inspired to write account and I was like just do it just do it just do it and I've failed and failed and failed and failed like half assed it like it just hasn't been working and so we decided that instead of I'm not giving up on those narratives. I'm not giving up on trying to work through that pain. But like, I just needed an easier path. Mm. And so we've made a a fiction account for me. It's just Amy McNee. And that is where I'm going to freely, without pressure, just post about my fiction. And it's been so good. Yeah, It's been so liberating. And yeah, I don't think it was the ideal thing to do. I have a very large platform and I could have taught the algorithm at the time that this is something I'm also going to speak about on that platform. I could have done that, but it was very hard for me. And so I chose an easier route and I started something new and it has less followers obviously but I'm so grateful for those people who have already joined along on this journey and it's giving me wild amounts of freedom and I would have never posted the content that I've made and the art that I've made on Inspired to Write because I just didn't have the capacity for it emotionally right now. And I know that's so lame but... It's not lame. Thanks
1: Jamie. I don't think it's lame.
0: It's hard. Like this is just literally just one of the things I'm having to work through.
1: Mm. I think it was so really good. brave. I think it was like you had to just make a decision about that.
0: I had to call it.
1: You had to call it. Yeah. Because it wasn't working. It wasn't it tried, working. I mean, and by, by you tried, I mean you agonized over. I
0: agonized. For, a long,
1: for years. Years. Because initially you started Inspired to Write because you wanted to, it to be, to help you sell fiction.
0: No, I didn't. And I think that's maybe the problem. Really? I started Inspired to Write so I could talk about what it was like to be a writer. Yeah. So you, and that's still what I do.
1: But when you, but at some point you thought this will hopefully be oh, yeah. non fiction as I well. I was
0: like, wow, I, but that, I mistaked it. I mistaked mm. it because and I it, was always talking about the creative process. I was never talking about my books, mm. and it's always been a problem for me. I never mm. want to talk about the craft. I never want to talk about what I'm actually doing. I always want to talk about what it's like, what experience it is like to be a creative. We
1: should do a, an episode about our philosophy as writers and our philosophy on craft and like what we feel like. Yeah, for how the, we write.
0: Yeah, of course, and and that will be really hard for me. It's not something I, I really feel cool to discuss. Mm. I'm very private about my Especially writing. Especially when you
1: know we said we talk about how we're going with our joint fiction yes, project. it. we, can we, talk should, about, we should definitely talk about how we're doing. You know
0: how Emma is trying to make us batch podcasts.
1: Yeah, you want to do one straight after this? I'm just saying. That's crazy.
0: But then you get a free week, or maybe you don't, because you try and batch them all up. Yeah. You could. I don't think. I don't think you've got it in you.
1: We'll see. Yeah, well, we'll see.
0: Well, we'll see, won't we?
1: We'll see. That's us doing our Boomer impression.
0: Yeah, well, we'll see. we'll,
1: we'll see. Well, we'll just see, won't we?
0: Um, yeah, so it's been really beautiful. I've been having a lot of people tell me that they're reading it. I'm sorry, I, I recognized that I wasn't speaking to the mic <laughs> Um. And lots of people listening to it, which delights me. Awesome. Because uh, recording that audiobook was one of the most fun I've ever had ever.
1: And you, both your books are on audio as well. Both my books are on audio, everyone know.
0: Um, and I've even just to gloat. here, yeah, we've even started the promotion process on Jack, my next book. Yeah. By getting the cover done already, which means that I may have decided on the name of the book.
1: Because in the past, you've been getting the cover done like a month before yeah. launch, so you can't show it off to anyone. Or,
0: yeah, exactly. Mm. So this is like we're in June.
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> and then if we are, you if can we are
0: sh- looking for an end of year
1: launch, like and then you can share shit. all of that on Amy Mcnee.
0: I can share it. So, like, I always have this, like, strange pride of how quick we can whip something out. But I know it's not necessarily in service.
1: Is it quick or is it frantic with the fiction?
0: With everything. That's how we do everything. That's a
1: really cool thing about being an independent author is you just go, okay, I've got my copy edits. I've got my line edits. I'm I'm done. The the book is done, I guess. You don't have to... You know, a traditionally published book would take then another 12 months. I think
0: months. that's why I have so much pride over it. It's like, we don't have to, I mean, it would not, wouldn't take 12 months. It could take like 24 months. T-
1: but I think, you know, once they acquire it, it might take 18 months. But then factored into that is a few rounds of edits as well.
0: Man. Anyway, I think that's why I have pride. Mm. Because I'm like, well, I can just write a book and publish it in like a matter of days. What can you do? Well, you can't
1: write. It takes, you, up, it takes you a year, but like the publishing process might take days.
0: I'm excited to find an audiobook recording place in London.
1: Yeah, it'd be so cool.
0: Hopefully Linda can help me there.
1: Mm. Oh, Linda. Oh, Linda. The book guru. Do you have much, any more that you would like to say about Um, this?
0: I would just really want to encourage anyone who has a piece of work that you know was meant to be here and making impact on this earth for a long time to relaunch to reshare to re-speak about it to treat it with the excitement that you would treat about it in its launch week
1: and use all the experience you've had and use that that a few people have consumed your art and try and build hype that way as well about it
0: yeah exactly
1: and also you're doing a hashtag aren't you this month
0: i am i'm doing a hashtag called relaunch your art and I've been keeping up to date with everyone there. It's been beautiful. Like right. this is such an important and exciting thing to do, um, but it doesn't just have to be for the month of June. If you want to prep a launch for next month, like I'll be there, I'll keep checking that hashtag. Great. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say? Mm,
1: just proud of you. I think it's cool. I just think it makes sense. I think you got to I just want to reiterate that the idea that you have one launch is, is a hangover from a, an industry that isn't changing, an industry that's stagnant um, and that you can break away from that.
0: That is such a good wrap up. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, thanks for always being so patient with us, guys. We know the podcast has been a little up and down in terms of its consistency.
1: But now we have this cute setup here. We which do. you can see if you're and on
0: the video. We've bought, uh we've bought, a, well, Amy's bought, Amy's bought a fair amount of art from incredible oh, yeah, me, on podcast on listeners and from people in the community. And we're gonna put them all on this wall behind us so that hopefully every time you see us on the podcast, you can see an incredible amount of art behind us as
1: well. If you're not watching the video, then basically for ages I've wanted a permanent setup for the podcast because one of my biggest barriers to the podcast each week was setting it all up and putting it all down in a very small one-bedroom apartment and basically it took up our whole kitchen to do the podcast before and it really frustrated me and I found it really stressful and now we have a permanent setup
0: yeah it's just so about how easy was that setup you just plugged your computer it was, in.
1: It was amazing I loved it I loved and it I too. don't have to put it away now as well I
0: know oh, little miracles mm-hmm. um yeah I feel like that's pretty good Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Jamesy. Bye, everyone. See you guys.